This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the Paramount Podcast Network. Marching forward toward the start of the season here. Another West Virginia opponent preview from the 2022 season inside the Big 12. We are going to Lawrence, Kansas today. And Michael Swain, beat writer covering the Jayhawks for Fog.net. Michael, welcome in. I think a lot of people expect Kansas to be Kansas. I don't mean that disrespectfully, but <laughs> maybe it's the bottom team in the Big 12. But an optimist might say, yeah, it could be Kansas being Kansas, but could be slightly different with some promising parts on offense and defense and, and young players in the roster developing. Yeah, 100%. And I think that this is one of those things where I think the casual fan will come into the season thinking that Kansas will have another two-win, one-win season and be very uncompetitive. Like Kansas has really been, you know, the last – it's been almost a decade now of really uncompetitive football. And I think that with what they've done this offseason, you're going to see a – a more competitive product, you know, we'll see if it results in wins and I'm sure we'll talk about that. But I think this is one of those seasons where the casual big 12 fan, the casual West Virginia fan will, you know, may not expect to see what they might see from Kansas kind of throughout the season. Let's kind of begin with that. I want to start as we always do in these at the end. And what I mean by that is let's look at the end of the season here, because there's certainly a process going on here and maybe it's been accelerated a little bit by perhaps sticking the quarterback position and then welcoming some transfer talent. We can get into all that in a little bit, especially the quarterback. But there are pieces here, and, and maybe in a quantity, perhaps even a quality, that we're not accustomed to, and that could mean different things at the end. You've kind of alluded to that. Um, at the end of the season, what is the story of Kansas football? Yeah, I think a competitive brand of football, and I think competence is what you're going to be talking about at the end of this season because that's been kind of the hallmark of Kansas is incompetent coaching, and a lack of talent on the roster. And I think that you saw Kansas finish strong last year, right? You have the win over Texas. You have competitive games against West Virginia and against TCU. And I think that's going to be the goal for this season. You know, I, I get asked, you know, what, what should the expectation be win-wise? And I don't want to focus on that. I think it's about, is there a competitive product on the field? Can you sell recruits and transfers that, hey, you come here and you can be the difference between us going from a one score loss to a one score win. And I think at the end of the season, that's what we'll talk about. I think we'll see Kansas probably get a big 12 win over the course of conference play. And I think you'll probably see them get two wins in non-conference play, but I think you're going to see what you saw at the end of last season, which is a competitive brand of football. I think you'll see Kansas improve over the course of the season because that's what this Lance Lapple coaching staff does is they coach guys up and Players improve over the course of the 13 weeks. You know, if you want to include fall camp in there as well, you can. Guys get better. And so I think that's going to be what you're going to be talking about at the end of the season is the upward trajectory of Kansas where it's been 
you know, up and down at times. You've had some seasons where, you know, kind of the first season, less miles, you went three and nine. The last season, David Bay, you go three and nine. And it's not been that since. But I think a three and nine season this year could feel different if you see more competitive football, not getting blown out week in, week out, and really being in some of these games where maybe the breaks go your way, maybe they don't. But you can kind of point back to, hey, we're getting close to really becoming a competitive Big 12 team again. I hate doing this. I always try to stick with my script and get my questions in and out, but I want to stop here for a second. Um, Kansas opens up with, is it Tennessee Tech? Is that correct? Yeah, you nailed it. So go ahead. It's not an easy schedule. Like that's the thing that is so tough. The previous athletic director decided to schedule Houston um, in a home and home. And the away leg is what comes first. So they go, Kansas starts at home to Tennessee Tech. Then they have a, sh- uh, a long week, right? They start on Friday. Then they go to West Virginia the next Saturday. Then they have to come back. Then they go to Houston and then come back and play Duke. And then their Big 12 schedule starts. Ooh. So it, you're playing basically 11 Power 5 teams, if you want to include Houston in that, which I think you should. Um, so it's not an easy schedule. And I just want to put a pin in this so we can go on with the questions here. That week two game against West Virginia is not fun for West Virginia, I don't think. It's probably not fun for Kansas either because they got to go on the road the second week of the season for a conference game. But for either team, I mean, they're both coming off, you know, a longer week, except West Virginia is playing at Pitt. That's very yeah. different on a Thursday. That's very different than a Friday game against an FCS team. And with so yeah. many key players back for Kansas and that game plan fresh in their head, you know, not a whole lot has changed for West Virginia. They're, they're going to run a different offense, but it's not going to be totally different. Their defense is going to be the same. And they were close in that game. I just think that's an easier one to get ready for at that stage of the season. That's something that West Virginia, I'm not saying they're worried about, but that's something that I'm sure will have their attention in the preseason there too. Let's stick with, um, I guess, I guess some stories here that you would know better than anybody here. People who frequent, excuse me, frequentfog.net. They got the scoop on Kansas and people who were listening to this and they want to know about the Jayhawks. They can go there too, check it out. So we don't have to go over the main storylines here, but I want to go a little bit off the beaten path here. So let's, let's take two steps to the right of the middle of the radar kind of go outside the box a little bit here players themes um sides of the ball units whatever you want michael um something someone that has your attention it's not obvious right now but you've just got a feeling good or bad that it's going to come to the level here and become a very obvious part of the explanation of this team where someone listening is going to hear this in november and say you know what michael swain was right he said it in july and i know because i listened what is that item on your list? Yeah, I think depth on defense is going to be re- really huge for Kansas this year. Last year, they just didn't have any depth. And I think that the linebacking core is a really, really good example of this. Rich Miller came from Buffalo and basically played almost every snap of every game. And for a linebacker to do that in the Big 12 with the spread offenses, with the physical offenses like Iowa State, K-State, and some of those high-powered offenses like Texas and Oklahoma, that's not something you want to see is your linebacker, your starting Mike linebacker playing almost every single snap. And so what KU has done this offseason is really improved the depth there. You go and get a high-ceiling high player in Craig Young from Ohio State, incredible athlete. He's been described as someone that's one of the most versatile players on the team, recruited as a safety coming out of high school played some linebacker there at Ohio state and is going to play linebacker for KU. You look at some that they just got this past week uh, in Lorenzo McCaskill, right? Someone from Louisiana that has played over 1500 snaps of football. 
going to add depth there at linebacker. And then you also have Rich Miller. You also have Gavin Potter, who played really well against West Virginia last year. And all of a sudden, you're looking at that linebacker core. Instead of it being two guys you feel good about, all of a sudden, you've got kind of five guys that you feel confident in going into a season. And I think you can look up and down on defense. The defensive line is going to be really, really deep. Defensive tackle in particular, there are five guys there that you feel pretty good about. Defense At both defensive end spots, you have really four guys there total that you feel good about. And so I think up and down the defense, you have a depth chart that you feel okay about, where if a guy gets banged up over the course of a season in years past, you'd be relying on someone that you're kind of scratching your head like, oh man, should this guy really be playing against West Virginia? Or should he be playing, you know, against a G5 team or an FCS team? And I think that's the difference this year is that as the season unfolds and as guys get banged up, I think KU will be able to withstand some of that. And when you get into the heart of the season in October and November, I think you'll see different guys, whether it be some of the transfers, whether it be some of these developmental guys that Lance Leipold and this staff have really worked hard to help improve. I think of a guy like Tyron Berryhill, who played a good amount last year, but just looked a step slow. And then you watch him in kind of the spring and some of the practices and in the spring showcase, and he looks like a different player. And I think you're going to see that depth really showcase itself over the course of the season for Kansas, where defense was it the Achilles heel for this team. The offense was not great, but I think at times it put up points, but defense just could not get stops. And I think that'll be the difference this year where they can withstand some of that and stay fresh throughout the game so that when those fourth quarters do come, Maybe you're able to force a turnover. Maybe you're able to stay fresh and cover that gap and make the right play and get off the field on third down. So I think that's really a huge turning point for Kansas this offseason and something that maybe go under the radar, right? It's not flashy. It's not the new running back. It's not the new wide receiver. But I think it's something that will really help Kansas be competitive in some of these football games. Hey, uh, you mentioned a buzzword for every college football program in the country. That, of course, would be transfer. Um Lightpole just kind of strikes me as a guy who's in the process and he knows he's going to be there for a while. He's probably not looking for other jobs necessarily right now. Um, just maybe that stage of his career. So you're thinking freshman class, recruit, yeah. retain, develop, so on and so forth. And by and large, it's working. But they have brought in, I think by my count, as we're talking, 13 transfers and are right on the cusp of that top 20 nationally. I think the last thing I saw you right was uh, 21, fourth in the Big 12, which doesn't seem fair. They've done some work, and it's immediate help stuff, which makes me think that maybe they're closer to, I don't know if it's a starting line or the finish line, but they're closer to where they want to be eventually. And perhaps this expedites thing on the field, Mm -hmm. culturally, whatever you want to call it, but it could be good. Um, They've done really impressive work in the transfer portal here. Um, I'll give you the microphone. Feel free to brag about what they've done. Yeah, I think it's been really impressive. And I think that what you've seen from Kansas is – exploiting some of the things that some other programs don't want to. I covered Iowa state for a couple of years there and they just didn't really do transfers. That wasn't their thing. They wanted to go high school, high school, high school. And that's cool. Kansas can't really go high school, high school, high school, because high school kids look at Kansas sucking for their entire time that they have grown up and they've run into those issues in the state of Kansas where this, you know, in-state class in Kansas is so incredibly loaded. You look at someone like, you know, Avery Johnson going to Kansas State, the number one player in the state, number one quarterback. Guy goes to the Elite 11 finals and is one of the Elite 11, I believe. Like this in-state class is so good. And Kansas doesn't have the wins to get high school kids to buy into it yet. So what this staff has done is gone to the transfers. They don't really care about some of that flashy stuff. They want, do you have playing time? And do you have coaches that can make me play at my best? And that's what the KU staff can really 
you know, use to recruit these kids is they have the evidence of last year of players improving and being competitive. And what they can tell these transfers is, Hey, we were one of the youngest power five schools, maybe one of the youngest programs in the entire country last season, come in, be a leader, play a ton and improve. And I think that's why they've been able to get so many of these transfers from power five schools. I mean, you look at all the different big 10 guys they've gotten. I mean, gosh, Kalon Gervin, a quarterback or cornerback from Michigan state, Sevion Morrison running back from Nebraska, Craig Young, we already talked about. You get Kai Thomas, a running back from Minnesota. Douglas Emilian, a wide receiver from Minnesota. You know, you even go to Marvin Grant from Purdue, played a ton of football and is a safety. So you've got guys coming in from really quality programs that know what it takes to win games in college football and at the Power 5 level. And now you're going to rely on those players that have played a lot of football in their career for the most part and want them to be leaders. So I think it's almost a question of what comes first, the chicken or the egg on the recruiting front. And KU has decided that, hey, we're going to get transfers that can come in and help us be competitive so that going forward, we can really lean on the high school recruiting and really start to build this program again, because KU is now getting close to that that 85 scholarship cap, which three years ago was not the case, right? They've kind of been in scholarship uh, in purgatory, really, for so long now that they're really starting to get close to getting at 85. And so you get these transfers in, you become more competitive, and then you can really lean into recruiting high school talent and then using the transfer portal to fill gaps instead of using the transfer portal really to build your roster um, like they have this offseason. So I think they've done a really good job. The staff as a whole has really done well when they've gotten these transfers on campus. Some of these guys have only taken one visit. They go visit Kansas and they're like, all right, I'm good. I'll commit. So they deserve a lot of credit and really interested to see how a lot of these guys integrate this fall. Mm. Really good analysis here and an incredible fact at the end there too. A lot of guys taking one visit and it's to just Kansas. And I'm, again, don't mean that derogatorily, but if you go to their facilities and you see their stadium, guys yeah. might want to take a look at another place. And if they're not doing that, that certainly works for what they're getting pitched um, from the coaching staff too. So that certainly helps. Let's stick with, um again, player highlights here. You can choose from the list that you rattled off from transfers, perhaps with some incumbents. I'd ask you to steer clear of the quarterback. We'll talk about Jalen Daniels, but yeah. there is talent here. Um, who do we need to know? Um, again, we might not associate this with Kansas all the time, but they did have a first team all Big 12 defender. Uh, there is some some potential on the lines. Um, there are some exciting skill position players that have a chance. Where are you looking? Where should we be looking? Yeah, I think it starts with what this team's identity is going to be. And I think it's very similar to what you've seen kind of take over the Big 12 a little bit in recent years, where you look at Kansas State, Iowa State, even TCU under Gary Patterson a little bit, where really physical teams that want to run the ball. And that's what Kansas is going to be. And that's going to be their recipe to try and mitigate the blowouts, which is control the clock, play good defense, and run the ball. And so you have to look at the running back room. And KU has three former four-star recruits in that room. And KU's offensive coordinator, Andy Kolnecki, has kind of a saying, a pair and a spare. And KU has a pair and a spare that are all four-star recruits, right? Devin Neal's a Lawrence kid that decided to stay home and play for Kansas, had a really good freshman season. He'll probably be the number one bat going into the season. But then you've got someone like Kai Thomas, who, you know, I'm smiling now because it's just crazy to think of that led Minnesota in rushing and was a bowl game MVP and is now going to be kind of that second number one running back for Kansas. And then you've got Sevion Morrison, who didn't play a ton in Nebraska, but was a coveted high school recruit who will now kind of be that third running back. And then you've got other running backs on the roster. You know, you can think of a guy like Daniel Hyshaw, who was hurt last year, 
but really flashed in his first season at KU. And so I think they're going to try and adopt, you know, a realignment is a popular topic now and <laughs> KU to the big 10 is something that fans want. Well, they're going to adopt kind of a big 10 style of football where run the ball a lot, have some two tight end sets and really try and control the clock and play good defense. So those are the guys I'm eye on, on offense, the running backs on defense. It's hard not to go. We talked about the linebackers, but man, the defensive backs room looks so different than it did this time last year where Kenny Logan is the preseason uh, all big 12 safety that KU has. He, was incredible last year, just a tackling machine, you know, 113 tackles. I think he had the most solo tackles of any safety in college football. And I think the third most of any player in college football. Um, And then you add someone like Marvin Grant from Purdue, who we hit on earlier, who has played a lot of football and has been really successful. So you feel really, really good about your safety tandem. And then you go to the cornerback spot where you've got Kalon Gervin. And then you've also got some really young guys there that, have flashed at times and consistency was the word that cornerbacks coach Jordan Peterson used when we talked to him this spring was he wants to see those guys become more consistent. Well, you become more consistent by, of course, showing up to practice every day, having good habits. Well, no better person to show good habits than Kalon Gervin, who's played a ton of football. Same thing with Jarrett Paul from Eastern Michigan. He played Eastern Michigan last year, was at Rutgers before that. He's a super senior. Those two guys are going to play some cornerback for KU and really set the tone so that some of those younger guys over the course of the season can hopefully learn some of those habits and can become quality players. And so I think defensive back for KU for so long was a question mark because the Big 12 has always had really good wide receivers. And the question for Kansas was, well, can you even cover those guys? And for a long time, the answer was no. And now you've got a group of defensive backs that you feel okay about. And now I think the question will be, can they rush the passer? But I think defensive back and running back are kind of the two position groups that I think are some of the ones that kind of turned around and will help establish this identity for KU this fall. Where did Amari Pesek Hickson end up? Did he go to Northern Iowa? He did. He is oh. one of several former KU football players to end up in Northern Iowa. I liked watching him play. He was a bowling ball, and I wish he was still around because he was a handful to watch. But I know they're, they're loaded in that position room, and you just described that very well. It's something to keep an eye on there. We'll wrap up with this here, Michael. Um, pass me the quarterback. Really unusual situation last year. They thought they had one. They would stash, maybe play them four games. They decided that a team that wasn't going to make a bowl game really wasn't going to do anything to 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 rattle the world, so to speak. They were going to play Jalen Daniels and break his red shirt and let him develop. Um, there's a number of bold decisions in the Big 12 when it comes to quarterbacks, and, and sometimes they pull the trigger, sometimes they don't. Uh, you can look at you know Blake Shapin at Baylor. You can look at the whole Rattler-Williams thing last year in Oklahoma. This is kind of on par with that. It's a move yeah. toward the future. Um, bold thing. The, the payoff is obvious. This looks like a guy who could be one of the most polished and ineffective quarterbacks in the big 12 before too long. And man, for a team like this to have an asset like that, that's gotta be a mood changer. 100%. And it's so funny. The big 12 media days representatives were released recently. And for the first time in so long, I couldn't even tell you the last time KU had a quarterback go to big 12 media days because they never knew who it was going to be. They just never did. It, it was a question of, is it the new transfer that's come in? Is it the high school kid? Like it was always a competition going into fall camp. And this year, you know, Lance Leipold's going to give you the the shtick of, Hey, you know, we're going to let him compete and see what the guys say, but it's going to be Jalen Daniels. And I think you've got a good backup there in Jason Bean, who is an incredible athlete and showcased that I think at times last year, but isn't a great passer. And then you look at Jalen Daniels who comes in and man, just, 
looked refined, right? Completes almost 70% of his passes, averages, you know, seven and a half yards an attempt, seven touchdowns, three interceptions. He just looked the part. And I think now you've got another spring for him in this offense where last season they didn't have a spring, you know, Lance Leipold came after spring practice. So now you've got an off season where Daniels can work with quarterbacks, coach Jim Zabrowski can work with Kotelnicki, the offensive coordinator, and really hone in on the things that Daniels feels comfortable with and the things that he wants to do on offense. So now you've got to feel good about the quarterback position. You just have to keep him healthy. That's going to be the question. Can he stay healthy throughout the course of the season? And, I think KU's offensive line, you know, they allowed the least amount of sacks in the Big 12 last year. They're going to hope that they can do that again this year and really keep Daniels clean because if they can, I think you got to feel pretty good about what you have at the quarterback position, which again, it's probably the first time in a long, long time you could say that about Kansas and the quarterback spot. Was the last quarterback at Big 12 Media's Day, Media Days for Kansas, was it Cozart, you think? Maybe. Because if not, I know who it was. I remember having a heck of a conversation with Jake Heaps one year. Oh my gosh. That's wow. a long time ago. So long ago. Oh my gosh. It could have been closer. I'm trying to remember. I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head. I should have looked that up, but yeah, it's been a long, long time. And I think that KU fans are really excited about that and knowing who your signal caller is going to be. Well, we know more about Candace than we knew before. Thanks to the time we spent here with Michael Swain. You can check him out at fog.net, the 24 seven site affiliate for the Kansas Jayhawks. Michael, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. We're better for having had this conversation. We will talk to you soon. Definitely. Thanks for having me on. So long. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.